0: Most of us remember the games that made our childhood so damn fun. For me, it was Pokemon Yellow and Super Mario Bros. 3, but one thing that really came to my attention last year is that now, in 2019, video games are still being made for all of those old NES and Sega systems that are collecting dust up in the attic, and it got me wondering a few things, which is what we'll be discussing here on today's show. Welcome to the Indie Fever Podcast, I'm Travis LaFever, and I'm here to talk about indie games. And joining our conversation today, we have Christina Alexander, who writes for Mega Vision's magazine as a general news correspondent and is the resident Sonic the Hedgehog expert. Mega Vision's magazine is a bi-monthly independent magazine that covers everything Sega. Also with us is Jonathan Lear with Mega Cat Studios, a game development studio that, among other things, makes homebrew games. Some of their titles include Coffee Crisis, Log Jammers, and their most recent title, Fork Parker's Crunch Out. Thank you both for coming on and being our debut guests
1: pleasure is mine
0: it's great to be here so i want to get into kind of like a broader discussion about homebrew games and like the modern world but i first kind of want to know like out of all the ways and avenues that you can make games now why homebrew um well i
2: think it's mostly just a it's passion you know um it's no one can argue that games have definitely changed over the years you know how they how they're played level design uh, there's not nearly as many limitations these days um and but also uh the life cycle of them like it's not common for games to just be gone in a you know gone in a flash um i think I think uh a lot of people miss you know the the original Retro games, not just like ones they're meant to feel retro, but actually work within those constraints,
0: right? Like, um, I like for I remember uh, the first like actual homebrew game I think I played was uh, Tanglewood, it came out recently, yep, yep, it was for uh, Genesis Sega Genesis, and uh, I got a key for it because I was like, I was talking to uh, the guy uh, Matthew for a while, and he gave me the key, and it was like my first. Real like homebrew game experience, and I I was hooked. It was, it I don't even know how to explain my gaming experience on that one, but that was a fun one.
1: It's amazing to see that you know the Sega Genesis hasn't hasn't been in the market for twenty years, and yet somehow some some game companies are still making new games for the console. Mm-hmm. Tanglewood, for example.
0: Tanglewood, and then basically, I think like a majority of the games over at Mega Cat, right?
2: Yeah. Um. Uh, a lot of the developers, they they really uh they're really fans of the the Genesis. Uh, it's honestly a little easier to uh you know make games for rather than uh, say the the NES or SNES. Um, and uh, honestly, we deal with uh. We deal with, um, you know, making physical cartridges of our retro games. It's just a, uh, it's easier, it's, it, it's, the parts are more obtainable. It's, that's one of the things that uh, people don't really, really. consider with, uh, with, um, you know, retro games is that they're physical cartridges. So, you know, it's not like burning a disc. Um, you have to have the, you know, the the board on the, you know, for the cartridge and the casings you know and uh, we order all that new so it can be uh it can be an ordeal to say the least <laughs> to to secure things
0: like that right now john so with public relations how i guess like what kind of cur- hurdles do you have to overcome to kind of like get new fans into this homebrew realm like where they would be playing these new games on these old systems
2: well, um, honestly, it's, it's all about really def- finding the people that wa- that basically want retro games, you know, modern retro games, but don't know it yet. Because it's extremely, it's extremely niche market. And uh, if you try to appeal to like the, the general audience, a lot of them, you know, don't care, like, you're competing with like, uh, you know, God of War. Right. And, <laughs> and uh, if they have to spend, you know, if, if they have to pick one or the other, they're gonna go for God of War. But for some people, uh, you know, that want that, they have that, that, that pull, you know, that they, they want to feel like play the games like they played as, as kids. Um, I think those are the, you really got to focus and pinpoint your marketing for that group. So, you know, it's certain age groups, it's certain, uh, it's people with certain hobbies. You know, you can tell people that love, you know, people that love uh, a little more old school hobbies are more likely to pick up uh, an
0: old school game all right (laughs) yeah yeah like because like i know one of the things when it comes to pr is attracting people kind of like keeping them i guess involved in your product yeah yeah and i just like at least i feel like for certain aspects of that might be a little uh what's what i'm looking for a little more challenging with this particular niche um it has
2: definitely had its difficulties, I won't <laughs> lie. Um it's uh, I, I think this to me personally, the sell point of uh of retro games, or I should say uh, you know, Mega Cats games in and gen- uh general is the physical cartridge. Um well one of the things you can sell people on is the fact that when you buy a new game, unless you're buying a collector's edition, you're usually just getting a disc and that's even that's dying out now, you know, it's right. mostly digital. Yeah. Um and like if you see like like ever since um i guess after the the end the 1064 um people's collections of games just became like a like a wall of discs you know on, on the wall so uh so i really think the finding people that like that that old school boxy you know cartridge that's that's in no way you know uh Uh, efficient on space (laughs) i i think it 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 becomes more of a display piece that you can also play um it's like a novelty
0: kind of like a vinyl collection
2: yeah yeah it's 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 just like that because uh and i feel like um that's in my opinion the the best best way to to push you know push for retro gaming because um, I honestly like I would definitely encourage more homebrew people to, to do that because you're missing out on the real retro feel if you don't have the physical cartridge that defined the games you know.
1: The thing about retro retro games is like with consoles such as the mini Sega Genesis the um, S- SNES classic like you're combining. You're combining traditional gaming with modernity. you're like instead of using cartridges, you just like put every single game for the con- for that for that certain console into one.
2: And although on one hand, I really like those like the, the new mini consoles, I think they've really helped uh, breathe some fresh air into well, something that a lot of people have forgotten about. Um, I am disappointed kind of that they can't accept new cartridges or, you know, you can't play your traditional games off of them. I feel like it's, you know, it, it's a good step. I'd really like it if they, you could actually, you know, put in some of your original cartridges. Kind of like, uh, you know, um, being able to play original games and some of those kind of, uh, you know, on future consoles has kind of died out. Um, example is like how the PlayStation 3 uh kind of phased out playing PlayStation 2 games, you know, except with a very limited edition console. But good luck finding one of those, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because the, the other day I downloaded the entire Jack and Daxter series, like because I never played it on the original PlayStation 2, like got it for my PS4, and yet somehow it worked. It's like, I really wish that they could have done the same thing with Sonic Unleashed, make the PS3 version of that game backwards compatible with the PS4. But of course, the only way to access it is through PlayStation Now, which you pro- you have to pay more, like $100 a month than PlayStation Plus it's it's ridiculous
0: yeah i think that one of the things that the big like you know like sony microsoft they're kind of catching on to the fact that people kind of want to play these old games so like you'll see things like xbox has backwards compatibility i think with like an xbox live subscription is it yep and then like you'll also have all these remasters that are coming out now like oh my god it's like they're really like riding this nostalgia train really hard if If you Go ahead.
1: I'm, I'm so sorry for cutting you <laughs> off. That's, I hate when people cut me off. It's like I'm putting a double standard. And speaking of double standards, if, um, if Sega made um, Sonic Unleashed backwards compatible for Xbox One, with for the Xbox 360 version, why can't they do the same thing for the PS3 version for PS4? um it's i mean i mean they both both versions run on the same engine the hedgehog engine and havoc but the ps2 and wii versions do not
2: um i mean it it does fall down to uh like designing a uh a video game for a certain console that's it's why they uh it's why a lot of places don't uh just instantly you know port all their games to all consoles. Um a good example yeah. of that is uh is um the Switch. Uh Mega Cat Studios actually uh had uh outsourced uh porting Coffee Crisis to the Switch because although it's the same, you know, game that we've also made for other consoles, it's uh it's you know it it can be an ordeal of work and requires a special thing of uh set of skills. I I guess another good example would be uh when a game's made for uh you know um for PC, whether it, it could be a huge undertaking to port it to Mac or Linux.
0: Yeah, I know um going back to uh Tanglewood again just cuz like that's like that's the I think the one homebrew game I know the most about. And I know that uh it was made entirely like with the original stuff, you know, like forget what like whatever he used like the code, like I think it was like a Commodore. Yeah. But i mean porting that must have been a nightmare <laughs>
2: <laughs> well um the thing about that is it, it's also it, it uh, a lot of people don't consider the fact that you have to you know if if you're using a if you're making a thirty you know twenty thirty year old game almost mm-hmm. um you're using a twenty thirty year old uh programming language um in, in the t- in the sake of uh let's say some of our games are programmed in assembly and and assembly is uh, you can't really do anything with that besides, you know, make like a retro games. So you have to learn that just for the sake of doing that. You can't like it's not like a C or, you know, C plus plus or anything right. like that. So, uh, you really have to be passionate to, uh, program in these, uh, languages. And I think that's one of the hurdles that, uh, people don't, uh, like the, the common user doesn't really understand, uh like when they ask for like a new level or something like that, or they want something different, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. It'd be a nightmare. At least.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. That's that's, I think one of the most common problems is that like with just anything is that people usually only see the end product. They don't really know or think about all the stuff that goes into making it. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, (laughs) Well, an example is uh, a coffee crisis. Coffee crisis started out in the Sega Genesis and, uh, when we ported it to PC, um, I was I was reasonably new to the company. I didn't know much about retro games. And I asked, I was like, well, could we make the uh, the online? Like, could you make it like, you know, so you could play on online multiplayer with it rather than have to be with someone? And he was like, you know, James at the time was like, no, <laughs> no, it can't be done because we'd have to like rebuild the whole engine because it was designed in this certain way. Like, you know, it's doable if you want to start the game, you know, like rebuild the game, I guess, from the right. core fundamentals.
0: Jeez, that's... Uh, I wouldn't even want to begin doing something like that, I don't think. No. <laughs> now, um, Christina, writing, writing for Megavisions, I'm sure you've played a ton of games that are both retro and probably some homebrew, I assume?
1: I haven't really played any homebrew games to speak of, Retro games, on the other hand, I have played the original sonic Sonic one Sonic Two on the Sega Genesis that my that my boyfriend at the time got got for me in in twenty thirteen twenty fourteen from a comic shop, and the problem I had with playing with playing Sonic 1 on that Sega Genesis, like, it's like you blow, you blow into the cartridge to make sure it starts up properly, right? And, and um, like, when, when it starts up, the screen is all, like, st- it's all staticky, <laughs> and that only happens for, like, like, a few minutes into gameplay until it, until it clears up.
0: I think like I know I know the whole common like trend, I guess, is like, you know, hit the blow into it to get all the dust up. I don't think you're actually supposed to do that. Isn't that like a like I know that's been the whole like uh, I guess you could say stereotype around like old retro games. But I I heard somewhere that it's actually like bad for it. (laughs) Um, go ahead.
1: Well, blowing blowing into the cartridge. Yeah. yeah. Because that. I've had to do that plenty of times with, um, mar- playing Mario Kart 64 golden eye, perfect dark, what have you on the Nintendo 64 at my grandmother's house.
2: Um, so I mean, I the ultimate goal of blowing into cartridges is to clean it, clean off the contacts. Yeah. So, yeah. um,
1: and, uh, clean out the dust.
2: Yep. So one of the, uh, there are definitely better ways you know you can use like a a proper cleaning solution but i think it's just because it's the go-to you know the go-to quick way like it's got a pretty good success rate you know and there i I haven't heard much about there being any problem with it but if there was it's there's no point because no one's gonna stop like like that's just the go-to reflex Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're never gonna you're never gonna talk people out of not not blowing on the cartridge. You'd be like, there's like a 3% chance you'll just break it and people would still be doing it, you know? Oh, yeah. And then they'd complain once it's broken, you know? It was just,
0: that would, there's no way. It's never going to stop. You know? uh, my curiosity took us off track. Let's get back to it now. <laughs> um, so what I wanted to ask, and uh, I'll open it up to both, is do you feel like homebrew titles kind of like capture the old school charm and nostalgia of retro games? I mean, like, yes, they're like made, basically the same way but they're made like in a different age and era
2: do you want to start uh, sonic um
1: yes i do believe that homebrew games were made for for the sake of graphics just for graphics sake because some people like like most games today they run 60 frames per second at with um 1080 pixels and not a lot of people can handle that frame rate speed because it may de- it may decrease their lifespan a bit or give them headaches. So homebrew homebrew games such as Tanglewood they they just sort of give people p- give people the sense that well, wow, I can. It's, yeah, I mean, this is, di- this kind of, these kind of games have died out, but it's nice to see that someone's like stepping up the plate to kind of bring, like, bring them back. And there are like some people who are too grounded in tradition that they cannot keep up with the present, which, which is kind of a problem because like it's, it's like ev- like the world around you changes but you just want to keep things as they are like you're conservative in a sense and i mean god forbid you're a you're a cur- you're a person who prefers to play play retro games and you see other gamers walking by with uh, with the switch or getting a ps4 game or x or a game for xbox one and you walk up to them and and s- just knock knock those games out of their hands and like convert them to play um to play retro games instead I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I've had terrible success
2: doing that, by the way. <laughs> Just walk up and smack it out of their hand, yeah.
0: It, it, that rarely works. Drop that um, switch. Could you uh, repeat the question for me, please? Oh, yes. Um, I was asking if you feel that, um, despite them being made the same way, they are made in different like times and eras. So like, do you think that homebrew titles capture that old-school charm and nostalgia of retro games?
2: Um, we try, we try really hard. But, uh, one of the things people don't understand is when you make, when you're making a game, you're not only competing against games of the past, but mm. people's retro, you know, or a nostalgic feel for it. It's really hard to, you can make the best, I, I can make the best game right now for the, for the NES, okay? And it could be just perfect. But if I have to compete against the original Zelda, like, like it's not, it's not even a fair competition because you know, you, you remind some. of think about a movie as a kid growing up, you know, and you're like, this is the best movie ever. Um, one of the, uh, my example is, uh, you ever seen the live action film of Guyver? not MacGyver, but Guyver. I have not. Okay. It's uh it's, it's, a, it was an adaption of a Japanese anime. It was the bio boosted armor. Mm-hmm. All right. That is the worst film. <laughs> All right. It is so cheesy, but as a kid, that was amazing. And I had such high view on it until I watched it like two years ago, and i wish i hadn't i wish I had just left it um so it's kind of like that nostalgia, you know everything's held to a higher on a higher pedestal um yeah,
1: and box lunch is eh, they are thriving on the nostalgia market i mean oh o-
0: yes they are
1: like obviously they obviously their biggest um their biggest hits are. Is Disney merchandise especially with like with a goofy goofy movie clothes and there's there's a shirt I wanted to get for my brother during over the summer that shows you how to do the perfect cast step by step but (laughs) it's it it it, it's crazy but yeah I have seen some nostalgia Nostalgia novelty items when, in retro games aside aside from Sonic. like fantasy star for one. And those, you know, like... and I see the cartridges for Sonic One, Sonic 2, they're made out of soap. They're soap they're soap bars. What? <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. huh?
0: i mean if it sells i guess you know sure
1: (laughs) yeah
2: so um um back to the back to the question uh one of the things um like i i do in a way almost feel like homebrew games like making modern homebrew games is it it almost feels a little bit like cheating because you get to you get to you have 20 30 years of uh of seeing what had you know of seeing how these games have played out the original retros and how people have taken it so at the end it's kind of like you are making a game for a console to uh, that um has, its life has already gone by and uh, and you, but in a way I really feel like a properly made retro game can really help uh, capitalize on that that retro vibe like if you think about it modern retro games are made on on the uh you know built off of your passion for that console built off the experiences as a kid growing up playing them um and honestly i feel like i I feel like it's hard to compete with the originals but i think you can do a really proper tribute um and another thing i really like about uh, modern you know modern uh homebrew games for retro consoles is the uh (laughs) uh well for uh you uh fork parker's uh crunch up um one of the things I love about that game is the mo- modern technology put into a retro console example yeah. in, in that game there are flat screen monitors there are drones <laughs> and if you think about it like those are things that people would make up like in a quote unquote futuristic game you know right. and uh but they're real they're real right. so it's not yeah. even it 's even that creative you know it's just <laughs> but but if you were to fool someone, if you were to take that and be like, "Hey, try out this game," you know, "Oh wow, they got so much right," you know, you could, uh, you could yeah.
0: it, It'd be great. <laughs> I like the idea of it. You know, see, see, see if you could fool people with that. Actually, let, let me always, know. Let me know about that.
2: I've always wanted to uh, to take a like a copy of Coffee Crisis and mm. just like hot, like just give some to a like a, a game store. Try to trade it in for trade value, just so it'd be on the shelves, you know? <laughs> just so. Just so some kid will pick it up and be like, "Oh, I've never heard of this." Oh, I mean, honestly,
0: like, in no harm. in it. see, how it, see how it works. I, I might seriously do it. And, uh, I, I, I'm definitely <laughs> encouraging you to do it.
2: I, I'm, gonna have to add, I'm gonna have to ask uh, James after this if we can get some, uh, you know if there's any. We we we, we could like tumble them around. You know, like put them in like a like a little like concrete mixer for a bit with some stones. Just give it that nice like you know worn twenty year thing. <laughs> And then just put them up. Hey, look at these.
0: Yeah, you know, see what they're see what they're worth. Trading value. Of. Give it a uh, weathered look to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think maybe, great. maybe like maybe like rip a label on the. Corner. Oh, you know, sharp your name on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. sharpen my last name on all that oh. stuff. I think I think mine's still like somewhere on my uh, what's it called
2: sixty four. <laughs> the best idea would be to print out some old uh, blockbuster stickers, throw oh. them on it. No one would question it. It, it would totally mess the people. Oh,
0: That's man. messed up. <laughs> uh, I
1: mean, I wish I could bring Blockbuster back so, so that they could sell DVDs and video cassettes of movies that you can't otherwise find on Netflix because they put, thing, they put programs into rotation and then six months later, they, they take them out. I this is you want you want it to like stay there forever but it just can't
2: I uh I actually applied to it was like six seven years ago I applied to a blockbuster because I was living in uh, Massachusetts at the time and I saw one and I was like that's a blockbuster and I, <laughs> and I applied to it because I was a younger you know I was younger and I was like yeah. eh, why not and then they were like realistically <laughs> realistically you're not like like we don't need another person in here there's <laughs> not like he knew you know you get that like that poor like manager who's who's definitely not living a uh oh yeah a, a high uh, volume you know,
0: exciting <laughs> life uh oh, oh, i God. used to i used to have a blockbuster i think it's like a taco bell now ah, not bad not a bad conversion <laughs> or or oh, wait no it's a mighty taco mighty taco uh, i don't know if you guys know mighty taco I don't personally. It's like, like it's a, like it's like a Western New York type of thing. It's kind of like our Taco Bell sort of. But yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, really, real good stuff in my opinion. But uh, oh, so sponsored by Mighty Taco Sponsored.
1: Yeah, the last time I went, <laughs> me, <to> please. A, <laughs> the last time I went to a blockbuster in in my area, I was like fourteen, fifteen years old, and. Now it's like converted to a T Mobile store or a bank or something. I I don't pass by that don't I don't pass by that spot very often.
0: <laughs> uh I miss Blockbuster. But um so there's one last thing I wanted to touch on because it's something that I've thought about ever since I've kind of been getting into like the homebrew groove. I like that term, I'm gonna coin that. But anyway, so <laughs> one thing i think i've noticed is we talked about kind of like the pr aspect and how homebrew games it might be like a little harder to pitch to people who are like all into like the new download stuff whatever but i've also kind of noticed that it has had a rise in popularity even if it's just a smidgen now kind of like i guess almost similar to vinyl but not as big and This is coming at a time where like everything can be downloaded and updated and like day one patches and all that Mm -hmm. nonsense so Mm -hmm. what i'm thinking is i feel like that homebrew has this potential to kind of have its own vinyl like how like vinyl had their come like a retro resurgence if you
2: oh yeah
0: but i think that one of the big drawbacks is that people when they get games now not only are they mostly downloading like they're also expecting updates and patches, and that's not necessarily something you can do with these kind of things, unless you're like running it on like an emulator, like an ever,
1: ever yeah. drive. Yeah.
0: And I mean, obviously, like vinyl, they don't need updates, but, um, but we've had a new song, like, yeah, <laughs> DLC, new music. Yeah. But like, and I think that's kind of where it gets a little sticky for homebrew games in particular.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Because people download games so that they could give their uh, gaming shelf wherever they put it, like in a bookshelf or a DVD cabinet. They just want to give those spaces some more more breathing room, but little do they know they're <laughs> taking up a lot of space in their in their console's hard drive, depending on how much data they can hold
2: um so a, a quick story about the uh about uh patching games because that's one of the things that people yeah you're, you're right so that's something people have taken uh for advantage um because uh like that you know what i'm just gonna keep saying 20 30 years ago and that's just like <laughs> um you didn't patch games there was none of this you know until they added like uh you know, like, like modem jacks into the, uh, into like the, what was the first console to have that? I should know this. Uh, there was, there was like adapters for the, uh, PS one. I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. but there was no patching, you know? Um, so if, if you made a, a game for the, the, the original Nintendo, you got to get it right. And, uh, because these days, it, you know, uh, new developers in that, in that aspect, i going to say in that aspect, have it easy. Because if you, you know, it's like, ah, oh, we fixed like, Game destroying day one bug. Well, in uh, in the original nests, nests and all that stuff, you don't get that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we actually uh, we actually released a uh, a, I gotta think of the wording for this. Um, a new version of Coffee Christ when it first came out because mm-hmm. uh, because we had we found some undiscovered bugs. You know, so what we did we had a, we we shipped new gar- cartridges to. Ooh to a lot of people and what we did is we we had people uh we had people um this was before i was part of the marketing campaign but it's still mm-hmm. a great idea um uh they, they, you, they you had people send pictures of them smashing their old cartridges because the whole <laughs> aspect of uh of of coffee crisis was that heavy metal smashing you know yeah. like awesome the picture is like someone breaking up you know a coffee mug off a zombie's head you know so we mm-hmm. not a zombie alien but uh <laughs> but um so we had people send the pictures, you know, of doing that. And, uh, we'd send a new, you know, cause that, that, that was a pretty cool trade. We got some great photos, you know, um, and, but like for a studio, like imagine, imagine making a, uh, a game, you know, for the, when the console was in the life cycle and having a game breaking bug, you can't, uh, you couldn't even keep track of who bought the games back then. Luckily right. ours are all mobile orders that would destroy a company. Mm-hmm. So, Um, I feel like I'm going a little bit off off course here. <laughs> but, I mean, we were uh,
0: talking about blockbuster earlier, so I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, but um, you
2: have to uh, you have to do it right uh, mm. because you're not dealing with it. There's no there's no patching a cartridge. Um, I mean, I, there might be some absurd way if you like mail it in, dated, but I don't. But no one wants to do that. You know, you don't right. want to mail things. It, it's like it's like the physical mail in debates. No one does it. They they know you're not going to do it. Yeah, right.
0: That's why they <laughs> offer them. You know uh, no. it's, yeah
1: it's like they tell they tell you don't buy games on release day or rather don't pre-order the games before re- before the release day because you never know what complications might arise from that
2: Uh and it, that's that's totally true because uh well i mean like how how well a uh a, a marketing firm spins up a game you know to look versus how it plays is is totally a different thing like like well we've seen uh there's a controversy with uh you know uh, the new fallout yes, you know, yes like everyone was pumped for that and then the demo came out and they were like oh, this is a horrible this is a horrible nightmare <laughs> and then uh and they're getting better now I, i've been trying to keep track of it a little bit like i'm not going to say that that they haven't done a lot to start be on the way to redeem it. Or a, right. you know what? A no Man's Sky. Let's go with that. That's a oh. that's a fun one. Pre-order,
1: remember No Man's Sky, I and bro- I'm referring to the Incredibles gif where Edna and Bob talk about why pre-orders are very bad is a very bad practice.
0: Yeah, I broke my uh, no pre-order rule for No Man's Sky. I, I
2: you can. I I was so pumped. <laughs> and then uh, I was, I was like me and my friend bought a day one, we were sitting there and then you play for a couple hours when it first came out, apparently yeah. they've added a lot and they do add a lot. But when you first play, yes. such, you get that feeling where you have that hype where you, you feel it's the most amazing thing ever, but you slowly have a, like a, an itch in the back of your mind and you're, you know, you're mm-hmm. like, something's wrong and I don't know what it is yet. Mm-hmm. And then you get to your like eighth planet and you're like, this looks like the last seven. <laughs> What is wrong with this creature thing? It's like a oh, it's like a horse with you know squid legs and right. and I've seen like eight creatures with squid legs. What is going on here? I don't I don't yeah. You
0: know. Admittedly, No Man's Sky has gotten a lot better, but also that's something like they they were able to take advantage of something that like you guys at Mega Cat can't really do unless it's like one of those, like a game you sell in digital.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um. If you, you that's that's the. That's just the the plight of a, a physical cartridge release, and mm-hmm. you can see why they could do, do, they're doing away with it um and honestly, things like easy access to internet has made it so much easier to patch games but um and it allows people to produce games a lot cheaper because you don't need to extensively super test it you know right um because and that's just you know that's just the nature i i i am not against new games mm-hmm. i i i just really like the physical cartridge appeal. oh of course yeah um. And, and truth be told, um I I wasn't a huge like I enjoyed retro games, but I wasn't like a super mega fan um before joining Mega Cat Studios. They actually recruited me because of uh, posting articles on uh for a news site and and then uh I got sold because especially by one of their titles called uh Little Medusa. I love <laughs> I love Little Medusa. Um that that that's what made me a believer because what's interesting is you get a game like like i'm just a little medusa and uh you really start to think that if this game had come out when the NES was released that it would be one of those franchises that would have got built off of like you know imagine if someone made a new game that could have like competed with mario or you know yeah mario say mario you mm-hmm. know and, but it's released 20 years too late then uh like it's fun to think of what could have been if it had come out on release you know right and there's just something about the art style you know the, the the colors they use, the music—it's all like it's—it's it's a fun, it's a fun if time. You
0: want to do a real prank? Take one of some of your games into a time machine.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, but you never know. Perfect prank. You'd make the game twenty years later and be like, "This man, this is a direct, you know, a direct uh, copy of Little Medusa." You'd be like, "Ah, oh. <laughs> right."
1: What's Little Medusa about anyway?
2: Um, you are a uh, you are a goddess. That um where another goddess is uh jealous of your beauty and so she turns you into a gorgon and uh basically you have to rescue your friends who have all become horrible monstrosities by uh using your newfound you know uh medusa powers which involve turning people into stone um mostly turn people into stone pushing them over push them into lakes and (laughs) you know i mean I, i i'm simplifying it but it makes me chuckle when i but it didn't put it to that. you, you people on <laughs> the stone and push them into lakes. Yeah, you perfect. Know? It's great, because it 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 basically makes that tile into a walkable tile. So right. it's a, it's a puzzle game.
0: Yeah. Sounds like is that's a that's uh Mega Cat game? That, that, is, that is Mega oh, Cat. Right. We All
2: actually right. have it on uh, we have it on S. I think we just ported it to the the SNES and Sega Genesis. Yeah, oh, nice. yeah we did. Yeah, it's so you, you you can play it. It's it, there's a copy there's a copy for you. I think we're we're working on a uh, uh I on a PC port. It's getting there. Awesome. So well, uh, that's one of the things that, like we do like to put, make PC ports of the games that we released for uh, mm-hmm. the consoles because uh because you put so much time into the game you you know it we're not we're not we're not, uh, not hell bent on to play it on the retro console. It's more of just for the appeal. So we'd like to make it so people could play it, you know?
0: Now, do you?
1: And when you do port it to PC, like make it downloadable from Steam, just try to make sure that there aren't any audio audio problems or anything like that. Because I tried playing um, Sonic 1, the first three Sonic games on Steam, and the audio was crap. (laughs) it was like really really botchy
2: yeah no no don't worry about that once again since since they're used to releasing to uh to cartridge games uh the devs get a little paranoid on uh on testing there's you know although it's easy to patch we're we're usually pretty good on the first day
0: yeah you can actually like patch it for like steam but oh it's it's so nice you You don't i can't even explain it (laughs) so like do you guys have any kind of like i guess process for that because like there are some versions you patch obviously some you can't like <clears throat> um uh
2: just when out you of mean, curiosity when you,
0: when you mean process could you uh like because like okay so like you can like make a patch for like a steam version but you can't make that patch for like the physical copy that you send to someone yeah so i guess um, is there like i guess how do you go about that because i'm sure there are some people that are like oh come on you know
2: uh lots of lots of play testing is really the easiest way like because mm. You basically don't release it till you're until you're pretty sure it's bug free. Right. Um while you could get away with that and like once again Steam, you know, like you see patch notes in all these games all days where it's like, you know, it the it's it's just hard to explain because on one side it's easier to there's less choices someone can make repeatedly in uh in NES games or something like that. But when it comes to PC games, you could like jump eight times while holding a certain item, then switch to another item. Uh let's see, have you played uh Oblivion? Uh Elder Scrolls. Okay. Do you did you play the original um Oblivion for the Xbox 360? I did not. Okay, well, there is a cheat where if you uh it wasn't a cheat, it was a bug, but if you held back your arrow, went to your inventory, unequipped your arrows and equipped them again, then dropped an item. When you went out of your menu, it would your arrow would hit that item and duplicate it the amount of arrows you had. All right. <laughs> So, so what you do is I, I, had a character, um, I named him, he was a melon mancer and I would drop melons and, and the thing was you could actually, they were physical objects. So they'd block arrows. So some, you know, like you're running from the guards cause you're a yeah. criminal and, uh, and they shoot arrows at you and you, you'd just summon a hundred melons that would block <laughs> the arrows, but also bog them down cause they can't run over these physical objects. Yeah. So like bugs like that, that, you know, luckily there was internet to, uh, actually they didn't fix that. They, that that's in the original one they didn't hatch that out, <laughs> but remasters or playstation one and the p s four they didn't do ps s four p c and uh p s three versions they don't exist <laughs>
0: but,
2: you know it wasn't no one's ever going to find that out, but you can't right. you gotta make sure that all reasonable bugs um don't exist in original cartridges simply put
0: now, I don't mean to cut this short, but it looks like we're running short on time, so I want to give a huge thank you to Christina and John for coming on.
1: you're very thank. welcome.
0: Yep, thank you for having me. And I want to thank everyone who listened today. Links to Megavision magazines and Mega Cat Studios will be in the description. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to check out IndieRanger.com, where we cover and review all things indie games. This has been Indie Fever, where our love for indie games is too hot to handle. See you soon.